As we gather for reflection on the word, I'm going to begin with a verse of one of my favorite hymns, The King of Love My Shepherd Is. You can sing along with me at home if you like. The King of Love My Shepherd Is his goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. I find that hymn so comforting. It always lifts up my heart comforts my soul. And I am so grateful that I was raised in a church where they sang that hymn and it got into me. I know the words and the words are close to me, my heart. The words are close to my heart. Even don't have to think about it too hard. That's one of the gifts of being raised, immersed in a faith community. I've said it before, I'll say it again, the church I grew up in didn't have a lot to do with children, didn't have much of a children's program. But hey, just by being in worship, my hungry soul knew what it needed and heard it in the gospel, heard it through the word of God. I knew on a basic, primal, pre-conscious level that I needed to be loved more than all things. And in the word and in the sacrament, God reached me with that word. God was present and my soul knew it. Like those sheep in our gospel, I heard his voice and I recognized it as my good shepherd. So to begin, Let's just be grateful for the gift of the word of God. And let's make sure we're sharing it in our families with our children, grandchildren. And we don't have to share it by explaining it. We don't have to get all worried that we need to interpret it. Let's let God do that work. Let's help our children and our grandchildren and our spouses know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. This is a good one to commit to memory. It will serve you well. It'll come up when you need it. It'll be there as a faithful friend. And God will be present to you in it. Just like the king of love my shepherd is, which is a version of Psalm 23. Share with your children and your grandchildren and your family the story of the good shepherd in John chapter 10. Don't worry about explaining it or interpreting it. Let God be present in it because that's how God uses the word. I want to say a special word about the word. Because in this time of isolation and quarantine, we're not able to gather as a community, and we're not able to partake physically 
and communally in the sacrament of the altar, the body and blood of Christ. And I know this is a great sadness and loss for many of us. It's a, that's one of our primary ways of being in the presence of God. So it seems to me and to others that at this time, we need to be especially turning to the word when the sacrament is far away. And one of my great mentors and teachers, Frank Griswold, is quick to point out that the word of God, scripture, has a sacramental character. It is a way that God reaches us, a way that God is present to us. He uses the example of the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, which we heard last week, and Anne gave a terrific sermon on. Remember when they're walking away from Jerusalem, Jesus joins the pair, and he opens the scriptures to them. And they report, weren't our hearts burning within us while he interpreted scripture for us? This text is a wonderful reminder that it is Jesus who is present to us in the word. He is the one who brings life to us through the word. It's not the literal word. It's not the syntax on the page. It's the word as conduit to contact with God. Later, they recognize Jesus once again in his word when he repeats the words of institution for the Last Supper. They realize who he has been the whole time. Take, eat, this is my body. And when I hear those words, that is spiritual communion for me. I can open my heart in that moment and soak in the gift of God fully present in Jesus in the moment. And that's my prayer for all of us in this time, is that we can turn to our resources in the word and soak in the presence of God speaking to us, guiding us, healing us. The Good Shepherd story in John 10 is a great response to this desire for God's presence in the word because it teaches us what to expect and how to hear the voice of God in scripture as opposed to other voices that might torment us or lead us astray, like the thief and the bandit. I particularly love John 10 because Jesus goes so far with this metaphor that he gets it kind of mixed up and he leaves it hanging. For any of us who've tried to explain something using a metaphor or an analogy, only to have it go way off the rails when people notice that it doesn't actually work, this gospel is for us. Because first, Jesus tells the story of being the good shepherd, very comforting image, a protector, someone who keeps us safe. And he's bringing this good shepherd, all of us, into the sheepfold 
and there is a gatekeeper. But the metaphor leaves open this big gaping question, well, who's the gatekeeper? I feel safe with my good shepherd, but what about this gatekeeper? Is he gonna let us, let us in? I would like to know who he is. I think this explains the misunderstanding of the disciples. They got hung up on the details of a metaphor that wasn't working. And they challenged Jesus with their questions. What does Jesus do? He doubles down. He doubles down on his metaphor in a somewhat nonsensical way. He's not only the good shepherd, he's also the gate. Suddenly the gatekeeper disappears altogether, and Jesus is also the gate. Good shepherd and gate. What do I take from this? It causes me happiness and joy, actually, because Jesus is so eager to reassure us that he is the way. He is so eager to reassure us that he is totally giving himself to our safety, totally giving himself to gathering us up, totally giving himself to our inclusion, our welcome, that he'll play all the roles in the story if he has to. He'll be the good shepherd. He'll be the gate. And frankly, he might as well be the sheepfold that forms us into the body of Christ. Why not? We are in Christ. We are surrounded Christ, Christ in us, through us, around us. So this is a fun story that way. It's also a wonderful story because Jesus is taking seriously our need to be able to trust him. And Jesus shows that his love is a healthy love that respects our souls, that respects us in our integrity and in our boundaries. He is not a violator. He's not a bandit or a thief. He's not a dominator. The sheep hear his voice, and we know his voice. We recognize our good shepherd. He, Jesus, tells us that we have in our souls what we need to know the good shepherd, to know who to trust. Once when I was serving a church in New York City, I was on the floor of this gorgeous Romanesque church teaching the children. And it was a story about strangers. And I said to them, hoping for a different answer, so what do you do when a stranger approaches you? I was hoping for the pious answer of, well, you welcome the stranger. Well, these were New York kids and they knew better. And they said, when a stranger approaches, scream, kick, and run. And all I could say is, yeah, you're right. I had to respect their wisdom. I had to respect that in their souls they knew what to do. Jesus is the same in his love for us. He's not a violator. 
He's not a thief. He's not a bandit. He doesn't go over the wall. In our language of today, he is appropriate. He comes to us in the way that causes us to trust him, which is through the gate. He calls us by name and we respond to his voice. We trust him. He does not scatter the sheep. He gathers the sheep. He does not steal the sheep. He leads the sheep to green grass and clean water and safely home. So we know we are encountering our good shepherd in the word when we are nurtured, when the integrity of our souls is respected, when we are loved and called into the fullness of our being. Our good shepherd is calling us to abundant life. Now, I work with people pastorally all the time who have the hardest time feeling like they are worthy of God's attention, that they are presentable to God, that God would love even them. And I think this passage is a great help. Because from the beginning, God has been calling us by name. From the beginning, God has been trusting us to recognize him. And God has been offering us a pathway that is trustworthy, that addresses all of our fears and addresses all of our worries. This is a God who wants to be the gate and the shepherd, who wants to be for us, wants to find us. And that's a core dynamic of our faith, my friends. It's not up to us to earn God. It's not us, up to us to find God. We don't have to seek God. God seeks us. God finds us. God desires us, and we respond. We respond to the voice of our good shepherd who is calling us by name. Well, my friends, thank you for joining me for reflection on the word. I just want to leave this brief homily with another verse, the last verse, of the king of love my shepherd is. Please sing it with me if you'd like. And so through all the length of days, thy goodness faileth never. Good shepherd, may I Sing thy praise within thy house forever. Thanks for praying with me. Thanks for singing with me. Thanks for letting me get it wrong with you, knowing that God's grace will make it all all right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.